Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We are continuing our series of sermons today on Paul's letter to the Philippians. And in that connection, I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 as we read the verses 25 to 30. Let us hear the word of God. Paul writes, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Thus far the reading of the word of God. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, what are the qualities of a true servant of the Lord? Well, it turns out there are many such qualities. A true servant of the Lord must be godly. He must be a man of prayer. He must be a capable leader. He must be willing to devote himself to the service of God and to his fellow believers, no matter what the cost. Now, there were many such men throughout history. Think of Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Bunyan, George Whitfield, Charles Spurgeon, and many, many others. The Apostle Paul was also such a man, and so was his fellow worker, Epaphroditus. Now, who was this man? Turns out we know very little about him. His name means handsome or comely. It's derived from Aphrodite, who was the Greek goddess of love and sexual pleasure. The fact that his parents gave him this particular name suggests that he was from a pagan background. It's obvious that his parents had a special affection for this goddess and were devoted worshippers of her, so much so that they named their son after her. Well, how Epaphroditus came to faith in Christ, we do not know. It's not revealed in the Scriptures. What we do know is that after his conversion, Epaphroditus became a close associate of the Apostle Paul. In fact, it's possible that he was an elder or even the pastor of the church at Philippi. We say that because Paul here in our text refers to him as his fellow worker. Well, whatever the case, when the Philippians heard that Paul had been imprisoned in Rome, they decided to send this man, Epaphroditus, to minister to him and to deliver to Paul some much-needed material help. They knew that Timothy was already with Paul, but they hoped that once Epaphroditus arrived, that Paul would send Timothy back to Philippi. You see, the congregation of Philippi loved and respected Timothy. And what is more, they needed him. The congregation was not as unified as it perhaps should have been. False teaching had crept in among them. 
and they were being persecuted for their faith. And their hope was that Epaphroditus could take Timothy's place. Epaphroditus could minister to Paul, while Timothy ministered to them in Philippi. But Paul was reluctant to do this. He still did not know how his trial would turn out. And until then, he thought it best to keep Timothy with him and to send Epaphroditus back. Now, in making that decision, the apostle was fully aware that the Philippians might be disappointed. Some of them might even be upset with him. They held Epaphroditus in high esteem, to be sure. Otherwise, they never would have sent him to Rome in the first place. But the one they really wanted was Timothy. And Paul knew that, and that's why he commended Epaphroditus to them. He wanted to assure them that sending him to Rome was not a waste of time and effort, that in fact Epaphroditus had been a great help to him. What is more, he risked his life for the sake of the gospel and was longing to see them again, and therefore they should receive him back gladly. Now with this in mind and the help of the Lord, let's reflect on the words of our text under this theme, Epaphroditus, a true servant of the Lord. We'll consider, first of all, the functions he performed, secondly, the service he rendered, and thirdly, the reception he deserved. What kind of man was Epaphroditus? Well, the fact that he was sent by the congregation of Philippi all the way to Rome, a distance of several hundred miles, with a substantial gift for the Apostle Paul, suggests several things about him. It suggests, first of all, that he was a godly, well-respected, and trustworthy member of the congregation. If he wasn't, then the Philippians would never have sent him. It also suggests that he had a servant's heart. Since he was willing to leave his home, and possibly his wife and children, if he had any, to embark on this long and arduous, and at times even dangerous journey. It also suggests that he was courageous. Remember, Paul at this time was under house arrest. He had been accused of disturbing the peace of the empire, and therefore he was a marked man. To associate with such a man might place himself in danger. But Epaphroditus didn't seem to care about that. He was prepared to take this risk in order to fulfill his mission. Now Paul gives us some additional insight into this man in verse 25 of our text chapter. There he writes, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. The apostle here describes Epaphroditus using five different words and phrases. The first three describe Epaphroditus in relation to Paul. The last describe him in relation to the Philippians. First of all, Paul calls him my brother. Now, by means of that expression, the apostle here is acknowledging that he and Epaphroditus were members of the same family, the family of Christ, and that they had the same father who was God. Now, by nature, they were not, of course. By nature, they were children of the devil. But God had mercy on them. He converted them and adopted them as his children, and Paul knew this. And so he refers to Epaphroditus as his brother, his spiritual brother in Christ. The second word that Paul uses to describe him is fellow worker. The Greek word here is synergos, from which we get the English word synergy. 
In ancient times, this word was commonly used to refer to someone who shared a similar task or trade. Now, Paul uses this word to describe anyone, ordained and non-ordained, male and female, who worked alongside of him in the promotion of the gospel. And when he does, in every case, the word describes an affectionate partnership. Not merely an impersonal official relationship. For example, it's the difference between a colleague and a co-worker. To the Apostle Paul, Epaphroditus was more than a co-worker. He was a colleague, a fellow worker. The third word that Paul uses to describe him is fellow soldier. Other than Archippus, who's mentioned in Philemon verse 2, Epaphroditus is the only person in the New Testament referred to with this particular term. And by employing that term, Paul is communicating that he views the Christian life in general and the work of the ministry in particular as a battle, not so much against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places, as he writes in Ephesians. Epaphroditus was a fellow soldier in this battle, implying that he too had his share of struggles. The next two phrases describe Epaphroditus' relationship to the Philippians. He's called your messenger. The Greek word is apostolos, from which we get the English word apostle. An apostle is a messenger, one whose task is to carry a message from one place to another. And by using that term, Paul is not implying, of course, that Epaphroditus was one of the twelve, because he wasn't. The word apostle can be used more generically to describe anyone who assumes the role of a messenger or envoy, as is the case here. Just as Paul is an apostle sent by Jesus Christ to speak and act on his behalf, Epaphroditus is an apostle sent by the Philippians to speak and act on their behalf. Notice, too, he's called the one who ministered to my need. The Greek word here is liturgos, from which we get the English word liturgy. In ancient literature, this word often has priestly overtones. In fact, in Romans 15, verse 16, the Apostle Paul applies this word to himself when he describes himself as a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now you notice the connection here between minister and offering. As a minister, like Turgos, Paul preached the gospel to the Gentiles, so that they might become an acceptable offering or sacrifice to God. Now Paul takes that same word and he applies it to Epaphroditus. He's suggesting that Epaphroditus came to him as a priest ministering to his needs. Interestingly, in chapter 4, verse 8 of this epistle, Paul calls the money that Epaphroditus brought from Philippi a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. The sacrifice was the money. Epaphroditus was the priest. Well, what a beautiful description of this man. And I wonder, can you see yourself in Epaphroditus today? If the Apostle Paul were to describe you, what would he say? 
What words, what phrases would he employ to describe you? Would he say that you were a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, a messenger, and one who ministers? Well, we have so much to learn from Epaphroditus. He truly is a model servant of the Lord. Are you? But what makes Epaphroditus so special is not only the various functions that he performed, but also the service that he rendered. And that brings us to our second point. Epaphroditus is often rightly held up as a model of self-sacrifice. And I say rightly, for good reason. For we read in our text that while Epaphroditus was fulfilling his mission, he came perilously close to death. This is what Paul writes in verse 30. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Now, when Paul refers to Epaphroditus supplying what was lacking in the Philippian service, he's not complaining, as though he was in any way dissatisfied with or disappointed in what the Philippians had done for him. Not at all. Paul was immensely satisfied and deeply humbled by their kindness and generosity, which he expresses later in this letter. He's simply pointing out that Epaphroditus did what the Philippians were not able to do themselves because of the distance that separated them. It's like he's saying this, I deeply appreciate, dear Philippians, everything that you did for me. There's only one thing you did not do, and that is deliver the gift yourself, since I love you so much and would have loved to see you in person. But in sending Epaphroditus, you more than made up for what you were not able to do yourselves. Now that's especially true because in fulfilling this commission, Epaphroditus almost died. Now why that is, we don't know. There are no details provided in the text, nor do we know what exactly happened to him. We know that he was sick, verse 27. In fact, he was so sick, he almost died from it. Now how and when Epaphroditus became sick and what sickness he contracted, again, we don't know. It seems likely he became sick while he was on his way to Rome. But instead of seeking treatment, he continued his journey so that by the time he arrived in Rome, he was so sick that he almost died. Thankfully, Paul reports that God had mercy on him. God healed him and granted him a full and complete recovery. Now, how he did this, whether by natural means or by a miracle, again, we don't know, whatever the case, Paul describes this as a mercy. It was a mercy to Epaphroditus, of course, because his life was spared. But it was also a mercy for the Apostle Paul, as he himself says. Why is that? Well, because had the Lord not shown mercy to Epaphroditus, had he not healed him from his sickness, had Epaphroditus died, then Paul would be even more sorrowful than he was already. He was sorrowful already, in that he was under house arrest and therefore could not do the work that God had called him to do and was facing possible death. But the death of Epaphroditus would have only added to his sorrow. Paul knew this, and so he refers to this healing as a mercy, a mercy of God. The point is, Epaphroditus risked his life for the sake of the gospel. Paul says he did not regard his own life. The Greek word that Paul uses here is is an interesting term. It's derived from a word that means dice. The verbal form of the word means to roll the dice or even to gamble. 
And that's really what Epaphroditus did, didn't he? He was so loyal and so faithful to both the Apostle Paul and the congregation of Philippi, and he was so self-sacrificing and so humble and so uncomplaining that he just put his life on the line. He risked his life. He gambled his life away for the work of Christ, for the interest of Christ, in the interest of promoting the gospel of Christ. Well, needless to say, the church today needs more people like Epaphroditus. And more ministers like Epaphroditus. People, ministers who are so devoted to the cause of the gospel that they're prepared to risk their own lives trusting in the Lord. My friends, does that describe you and me today? Are you and am I prepared to do anything, to suffer any hardship, even to put up with any inconvenience, even the possibility of death for the sake of the gospel? You know, this is what Jesus requires of us if we want to be his disciples. He said on one occasion, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus' point is, if you want to be one of his disciples, you have to be prepared to suffer you have to be prepared to take risks. Following Christ is like carrying a cross, which is a picture of suffering and shame. My friend, are you prepared to pay that cost? What have you given up for the sake of following Christ? Have you given up anything at all? Well, Epaphroditus rendered valuable service for the sake of the gospel. And in light of this, as Paul goes on to say, the Philippians should receive him with joy. And that brings us to our third and final point. As we have observed already in our introduction, Paul intended to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. And he tells us why in verse 26. There Paul informs the Philippians that Epaphroditus was distressed. The Greek verb here means to be sorely troubled and dismayed. It describes, as one commentator puts it, the confused, restless, half-distracted state which is produced by physical derangement or mental distress. The same word is used to describe Jesus' anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, why was Epaphroditus so distressed? Paul tells us, because he had heard that the Philippians had heard that he had been sick and they were worried about him. Now, how the Philippians knew this and how Epaphroditus found out about that is not known. All we know is that Epaphroditus was distressed. He knew how, he knew, he, Epaphroditus knew how much the Philippians loved him and cared for him. And because of that, he knew that when they found out that he was sick, almost unto death, that they would be concerned about him. And knowing that they were concerned caused Epaphroditus to be concerned, yes, even distressed. He was so distressed, in fact, that he could not get them out of his mind. He thought about them constantly. Paul writes in verse 26, he longed for them, so much so that Paul thought it best to send him back. But Epaphroditus was not the only one who was distressed. So was the apostle Paul. For he writes in verse 28, Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, 
you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. It's obvious that when Paul heard that the Philippians were concerned about Epaphroditus, Paul was concerned for the Philippians. He was sorrowful, he says. By sending him back, he would not only relieve their sorrow, but he would relieve his own for them and for Epaphroditus. Now we see here something of the great love, don't we, that existed between Paul and Epaphroditus and the congregation of Philippi. Paul could have told both Epaphroditus and the congregation of Philippi to just stop being so wimpy. He could have said, look, I have important work to do here. Lay aside your personal feelings and get back to work. But he didn't. He placed relationships above work. He was sensitive to their concerns, so sensitive that he sent Epaphroditus back to minister to them. Now what we have here is a beautiful illustration of what the Apostle writes in chapter 2 of this epistle, verses 3 and 4. There Paul writes these memorable words, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And in verses 5 through 11, Paul goes on to hold that the Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect illustration of this. But now we see this teaching lived out in Paul and in Epaphroditus. Paul could have used Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus would have been happy to remain with him in Rome. But they set aside their personal preferences for the sake of the Philippians. They put them ahead of themselves. My friend, can the same be said of you today? Are you, am I, selflessly devoted to others? Do you, do I, put the needs, the cares, the concerns, and the feelings of others ahead of our own? The church needs more men and women like Paul and Epaphroditus. Are you one of them? And so Paul decided to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. And upon returning to them, Paul encouraged the Philippians to receive him, as he says in verse 29. Now the word receive means to welcome, to open your arms, and to embrace, and to take in. What is more, they were to do so in the Lord, meaning receive him just as you would the Lord himself. And he he added, with all gladness. Now why did Paul feel it necessary to tell them this? Well, probably because they would have been surprised, and perhaps, as I said earlier, even a bit disappointed, and maybe even a bit upset to see him again. As we've seen, they sent Epaphroditus to Paul for a reason, so that he could help him during his imprisonment, and so that Paul could send Timothy to minister to them. And upon seeing him, some of the Philippians may have jumped to certain conclusions. They might have thought that Epaphroditus was not helpful to Paul after all, or that because he had been sick, he was a burden to Paul. And Paul was aware of that. And he wisely anticipated that this might be the case. And so he urged the Philippians to receive him in the Lord with all gladness. But that's not all. You'll notice he also urged them to hold him and all such men, meaning all workers in the gospel, all ministers of the gospel, all preachers in high esteem. Now why does he say that? He tells us in verse 30, Because for the work of Christ, he, that is Epaphroditus, came close to death, 
not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. The Philippians should hold Epaphroditus in high esteem because, like Christ, he was willing to sacrifice himself for the cause of the gospel. And so do all and ought all ministers of the gospel. And for that reason, we need to hold them as much as possible in high esteem. Well, this is Paul's commendation of Epaphroditus. We've seen how he, how he mentions the functions he performed, the service he rendered, and the reception he deserved. Now, Epaphroditus deserves to be commended, but there is one who deserves to be commended even more than he. Yes, he is the ultimate Epaphroditus. He is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was everything that Epaphroditus was and did, everything that Epaphroditus did. Only he did so absolutely perfectly and without flaw. He is our elder brother who ministered to our need by coming to this world, assuming our flesh and blood and dying on the cross. Epaphroditus suffered sickness for the cause of the gospel, but Jesus suffered death and was cut off from his father. Epaphroditus risked his own life for the gospel, but Jesus gave his life. Epaphroditus deserved to be received in the Lord with all gladness. The Lord Jesus Christ deserves to be received by us even with greater gladness. For he did what Epaphroditus could never do. He bore the wrath of God against the sins of all of his people. He suffered and died so that sinners like us might be reconciled to God, have peace with God, and receive the gift of everlasting life. And for that reason, he deserves to be commended above all, and he deserves to be received by all. Oh, my friend, have you received him? Do you believe on this Savior? Have you come to see him as a poor Have you come to him as a poor and needy sinner in true repentance and faith, looking to him as the only hope and ground of your salvation? My friend, he is willing to receive you even today. He is willing to save you. Come to him and you shall be saved. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website, at banneroftruthradio.com. That's all one word, banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. 
if the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can visit the donation section of our webpage. Our webpage, again, is banneroftruthradio.com. Thank you for listening. And now, until next week, may the Lord be with you all.